I used to go to these, uh, in college I went to these prayer meetings that were a thousand people attending every week and we used to do sharings. If I had enough courage, I'd get up and do one. You know, I think I did two or three. It took a lot of courage to get in front of this group. This one lady used to share quite a bit and I was thinking about this story and I actually remember her name. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> her name was Helen. I haven't thought of this name in 35 years. Anyway, Helen used to get up and share and she shared about this gospel and uh, I'm, I'm like second year of college and she said, uh, she said, I don't know if this is good theology, but she said, I think Jesus was a very naughty little boy. And even then, I thought, there's something wrong with this theology. Jesus can't be a naughty little boy. He's the son of God. Somehow, what he did was not a sin. And that's the, one of the many mysteries of this gospel. Uh, however, having said that, if I did this to my parents, it would be the last time I ever did it. You know, but in order to understand this story, we need to know a little about Jewish background. The, the law required that a pilgrimage be made three times a year for a devout Jew, and the, by the time of Christ, the local rabbis had gotten together and decided that they needed to do, if possible, one a year and a trip to Jerusalem like this at least once in their lifetime. And that still holds true today for Jews that can make it, you know, uh, to Jerusalem or something like this. And so the Holy Family was accustomed to going once a year. They'd have a long caravan of local neighbors and extended relatives. That way they could share the burdens and they would cook together. It was a several-day journey. And on the way home, it was customary for the women and the men to travel separately. Remember, they also worshipped separately when they went to the temple. There was a court of the men and the court of the women. The women would start first, and they usually traveled slower, and then the men would catch up, and they would meet in the evening. And this is why they didn't know that Jesus was not with them. Uh, because he was 12, he could have gone in either one of those two groups at that age. And so no doubt Joseph, who was with the men, thought that Jesus was with Mary, and vice versa. It was only when they met up in the evening in twilight that they realized that neither one of them had Jesus. And so one can imagine a frantic journey back. We don't know if anybody went with them to look for Jesus into the night, traveling overnight to get back to Jerusalem, leaving the caravan behind. It leaves a lot of questions open. When they got there and found him, uh, he was not sitting in the temple itself, but in the, in, the, in the stoa that was around the edge. And during Passover, the whole Sanhedrin would meet, and they would, they would openly discuss things. It was their way of teaching. And uh, Jesus was there with the group, avidly learning and asking questions. So all of this is very, very much a part of the way a Jewish ritual would have gone at the, during that era. What we find hard to understand was why it took three days for them to find him. Why did Jesus go away? Why were their parents, his parents astonished at what was being said by Jesus when he'd lived with them for 12 years? And Jesus' response is equally interesting. All, there are so many questions in this gospel, but I think for us, the interesting thing is that we ourselves are in the caravan. We ourselves are on a journey, like Mary and Joseph. They accompany us through the, the Gospels these next three weeks until the baptism of the Lord in two weeks. Uh, their story is our story, and we ourselves often lose Jesus. He tends to 
we suddenly realize he's not with the caravan. We have to go looking, you know. The story is really our story. What we find when they, when they find Jesus, they find that Jesus is already doing what he will do as an adult. He answers a question with a question. Do you notice how often Jesus will do this? And when God, you ask him a question in prayer, he will respond with an enigma, and the answer will come later. It's not the way people normally respond. You ask me a question, I don't say, well, how do you think about it? You know, uh, Jesus will throw it back at us because he's God, as well as he's God in a 12-year-old's body. So while as a human being, he has to grow up, as God, he is taking on that which uh, he is permitted to have as a human being who is God. When the, when the, one of the questions that we have is why didn't they find Jesus until three days? Well, one day would have been spent going back, although probably they journeyed faster than they had left Jerusalem. But in those two days of active searching, no doubt the first place they went was the temple. But Jesus at that time probably was not there. You get the impression almost that Jesus did not wish to be found right away, that he was hiding, or that he knew they were looking, he knew they would find him. Some of the church fathers saw in this three-day missing to be the, the three days between his death and resurrection. There are all kinds of mystical symbolism. But to us, it symbolizes the fact that there are times when Jesus is going to disappear from the caravan of our journey. And we wonder, no doubt, Mary and Joseph wondered if they had been bad parents. How is it that we could have lost the Son of God? Why is it that we can't find him? They, they ask as much to Jesus. They said, why have you done this to us? Haven't you seen how your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety? And you notice that Jesus does not answer this question. He says, why were you looking for me? That's not an answer to their question. Why did you make us search for three days? And we could ask the same question. There are times when it is true we throw God out of our lives through a terrible sin. We walk away from him. Other times, Christ seems to disappear. And we see this in the Gospels where, for example, the disciples are in the boat, which is going down, and Jesus is asleep in the back. It's one of my, another one of my favorite stories. Um, it's a symbol, again, of God closing down, if you will. He hasn't gone anywhere. But for a while, we have to feel that abandonment. And Christ himself feels this on the cross when he says, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's part of our training that God, though he is always with us, at times will appear to be absent. Isn't this true of all relationships? We're not together all the time, no matter how close we are with people. And God is this way. Jesus is acting like God, and periodically we will lose Jesus and have to go searching for him, sometimes with great anxiety. Think about it for a moment. You know, we all had questions about Connecticut. Where was God? I, I wrote about that last week in my column. It seemed as though God disappeared from a lot of our lives for a while. And that's a type of what happens to all people. We have questions, and God answers it with a question. But didn't you see me die on the cross? See, that's the kind of question. Until heaven, we won't get a direct answer other than the scriptures. And another thing we notice about this gospel is that when Jesus does answer, he gently corrects them. You can imagine, 
you see Mary and Joseph standing there, and they don't understand. They don't understand why Jesus went away for three days. They don't understand how he could have such knowledge, and they don't understand his response to them. It's very interesting. You would think that after 12 years with Jesus that they would have heard him expound on some topics at home, but apparently he he did not do that as a child, or they would not have been astounded to find him holding his own with the top theologians of Judaism. It would be as if you went to Rome for a vacation and your 12-year-old was sitting with the cardinals in the Curia and discussing the latest theology of Karl Rahner or God knows who the latest theologian is, right? Wouldn't you be surprised? Uh, this is essentially what Jesus was doing. They were surprised. So Jesus did not exhibit a, a, uh, an overwhelming superiority among his, among his peers during his 12 years. He was a normal child. And suddenly, this all starts to come out. But I find even more interesting, as somebody who was raised by my grandparents, uh, one thing I always pick up on is imagine, some of you don't have to imagine because you're in this situation, Joseph has raised Jesus as his own son all these years. And Mary comes up, and she knows perfectly well what the situation is, more than anyone. And she says, your father and I have been searching for you, small f. And he says, but my real father is in heaven, and that's the one I was obeying. You can imagine what that made Joseph feel like. And yet Jesus, as a 12-year-old, does not have the finesse, perhaps, that an adult would have had in saying that. He's pointing out, I have another mission, and there is another parent in the situation. And, and you know, Mary and Joseph are never the same after this. The, even though Mary had heard the angel, Joseph had heard this in a dream, it had been 12 years. There probably hadn't been other angels other than you may return from Egypt to Joseph in a dream. They had to be reminded that Christ was also God. And so do we. We can become very familiar with him and forget that he's God. We can think of him only as God and forget that he's part of our family. Christ is both of those things. And I find it also interesting, finally, that they did not know where to look. Mary... It says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. We too, I think, in our lives, do not always have all the answers. I think sometimes God wants us to search and to ask questions, to not be afraid of asking the difficult questions of God. We have to wait for his response. God does not always immediately make himself manifest to us. We do have to search. The three days is a type. Sometimes the search goes on for many years. Think of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. After her death, it is discovered that for 40 years she had no sensible feelings in prayer. She must have wondered, where have you gone? Others have other kinds of trials where God appears to have not answered a prayer or were left with a suffering or a sorrow that does not have an answer. But there will be an answer. It will come in time. In the meantime, we continue to ask questions. We search. We search again. It is not insignificant that Christ finally is found in the temple because this is where 
he will always be found. Not just the temple uh, outside or, let's say, St. Edward's or the Vatican, but also the temple in our own hearts. This is where Christ has always been, even though we did not know he was there. He never left, but he did close the curtains for a while. And all of these things are for our training. So I think that as we hear this gospel, each of us is in the caravan, both going to Jerusalem with Jesus by our side and returning and not realizing perhaps that Jesus is not here. Uh, We don't realize until later that something has changed. We ask questions of God. He responds with a question back to us. At times, we have to search with great anxiety. We don't understand his answers. We long to be in the company of those with whom he dialogues and asks the questions and gives the answers. We know that one day he will explain everything, but in the meantime, like Mary, we ponder these things in our hearts. And like Jesus, while we go through life with these comings and goings of God periodically, like Jesus, we too advance in wisdom and age and in favor. Please God before God and others.